0: The Rock will tell us Kurt Angle for the richest prize in the game. Your days of being champion are coming to an end. My days of being on top are numbered. Yours are. The explosion is here and back! Here we go! The rock is gonna whoop that ass! I'm gonna shut your- is on tick my ass if you smash! When the tip is cool you're looking at the next wwf champion and that my friend is true I want Austin now I don't think I've ever hated anybody as much as Triple H there can be no physical act of aggression whatsoever. Triple H can't touch Austin's? Touch triple H. Oh my God! Mrs. Hiller just got stunned. Zero tolerance here. Austin in the game. Having Miz on contact. My God, the game is snapped. It has to end somewhere, sometime. Our careers are going to be over. Matches in one. The first ball will be about pride. He wants us as much as I do. Second ball, I break your bones. In a street fight, there ain't no way Triple H can beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. The third ball will truly be no way out. Two men will enter, and only one will leave. I will wipe that look off his face. He will pay for everything he's ever done. We will finish the game. And now, Weeder Sports Nutrition presents No Way Out.
1: again and welcome to the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by... The one
2: and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young.
1: Patrick, and here we are, the final week of February. It is the shortest month. What do you have for us from the news desk this week? Well, right out of the gate, your headliners for the Hall
2: of Fame is none other than D-Generation X. And when you say DX, you mean who Exactly. Sean Michaels, Triple H, The Outlaws, X-Pac, and China.
1: No, no double induction for Mr. Rick Rude. I no, see.
2: no, no, no double, no double for Rick.
1: Uh, no mention of Tory. No, no Tory. Uh, no Kane. No Kane. No Stephanie McMahon when she was a part of DX for a little bit there. No, that seems a little
2: unfair. But no, no Jim Neidhart with uh, his one night as as a DX member.
1: Oh, that's right. They they turned on him. No Jason Sensation mm-hmm. doing the uh, Nation of Domination imitation. Exactly. No Hornswoggle who right. was you know. The 06 DX. Exactly. The the bad year. The the t-shirt reunion year of uh, DX versus the uh, Spirit Squad and Vince and Shane. Best forgotten part of their uh, history. Sort of a surprise. I would consider this to be the headliner. They usually intro the headliner first out of the gate.
2: Yeah, this is a headliner for sure. And it goes to show Shawn Michaels is going to be in the elite class
1: with Ric Flair as being a two-time Hall of Famer. And if the Hart Foundation gets inducted as had been rumored for a long time, that means on the same show you're going to have Sean going in twice and Brett going in twice and possibly having back-to-back speeches, which will be sort of strange. Considering the year Brett went in, he made it clear he didn't want Sean in the same room as him. Sean had to leave the room when Brett went up to speak the year Brett went in originally. Yes. That was, of course, before that terrible hug in 2010 and now everything's fine now that everyone's pals so a very strange night that'll be but what do you think of this headliner what do you make of this i'm going to make a lot of people angry i think sean triple
2: h the outlaws deserve to be going in waltman didn't add much to dx in my opinion and i'm sorry i said it on here and pissed a lot of people off and i'm going to say it again I don't think China should be anywhere near a Hall of Fame stage.
1: Well, that's ridiculous considering she's the only female intercontinental champion. It has nothing to do with that. It but that's a bigger accomplishment than any other female wrestler very has ever true, made.
2: Very true. But also, if you're going to hold people accountable for what they did after wrestling... Oh, that's ridiculous. Well, then half the Hall of Fame should be ejected. If that's the case, I'm just saying, if that's the case, if you're going to sit aside that now all of a sudden and put her in, why are you not acknowledging Sonny anymore? Why well, are, She's in. But they took her completely down. She's not acknowledged. She's not looked at as being part of the Hall of Fame. But I
1: think you can find her on the web- website.
2: But also, I mean, it goes hand in hand with the fact if we're not going to acknowledge what happened out after their career or outside of the in-ring stuff,
1: you're saying Crispin was a candidate now? Doing porn and doing double murder suicide is quite different, Patrick. It sorry is to hate. sorry no, to it is, burst your bubble. It is, but I mean, you see where I'm coming from, though, right? I just think that's a ridiculous argument, given the hypocrisy of this company and how they treat people differently, and that no one's held to the same standard. That so you can't yes. you can't say, oh, well, China can't get in because of this, and this person can get in because they didn't do this, and. There's no standard. There's no list of rules. You know, there's no, that's not black and white. It's why Jimmy Uso got to pin somebody on Sunday night and win the tag team belts after being arrested a few days before because the rules are different on a case-by-case basis to everybody. And so I don't think you can make an argument really either way for somebody like China or anybody else. But, I mean, double murder-suicide is definitely not going to get you into the Hall of Fame. No, he
2: doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. If you're going by life actions outside of the sport of professional wrestling, then no he doesn't deserve to be. If you're going to hold that accountable though for others involved, then yes, China
1: should not be going in. Period. Well, I mean, you could also say Waltman shouldn't be going in Waltman because Waltman shouldn't what he be going did. in. But then you could also say Jimmy Snooker should be removed because he probably killed somebody. You can make that argument, so, and I
2: I I fully
1: would understand that argument. I mean, I just don't when it comes to this, we've talked about the Hall of Fame so much on here. Logic goes out the window because Vince Sr.'s limo driver is in the Hall of Fame. Coco Beware is in the Hall of Fame. So if you're based solely on in-ring stuff, I'm sorry. Coco Beware is not a Hall of Fame pro wrestler. There's not... Any wrestling critic alive that would say yes, Coco beware somewhere in my top ten of great in ring performers. Is he a great character? Yeah. Is the Godfather a great character? Yeah. Was he a great wrestler? yeah sometimes. Not a I wouldn't say a Hall of Fame caliber wrestler, so it's it's just whatever they want it to be. It's right. just whatever they feel like at the moment should go and that's what gets in. So my only complaint about DX going in is that... I saw this on Twitter a lot, too, is that really and truly, the NWO made a bigger splash than DX, despite the WWE narrative that DX single-handedly ended the Monday Night Wars when they drove a Jeep up to a WCW arena and fired a smoke grenade out of the, the tube or whatever. But the NWO is... Sorry. I mean, that's what brought wrestling into the mainstream again in the 90s. Hogan's heel turn. And DX was basically formed as a response to that. Right. We've mentioned it before. We're not going to go down the entire list of all the people that we've already talked about, like Vader and Ivan Koloff, and just the list goes on and on and on and on Yeah, of people that should be in there. Of course, they can't give their speech because they're deceased, so they can't be the headliner because the headliner apparently has to be alive in in this company's eyes, but I think there's a lot of other candidates that probably could have carried a Hall of Fame class, but by accepting the StarCast invite, it sort of tells me that Taker isn't going to do it this year, No, and they can't get The Rock, No, and so as far as your A-list possibilities, Batista in their mind, A-listers... I, Batista should never ever see a Hall of Fame ring. But Patrick, it's just, it's, it's whoever they feel like right. that no, day. I agree. Um, so that's my only real sort of complaint about it. And also for everybody to get their turn, to get their fair speech, I think when you induct a group, especially a group. Of all these performers, especially guys that aren't going to get a second induction, like Hunter will be getting a second induction down the road for his singles career. Waltman won't be. No, right. Waltman, the outlaws, China, will not be getting... A second opportunity to give a speech. China can't give a speech, but her family is going to get two seconds to say whatever they want to say. But, I mean, Waltman and the Outlaws will never... Especially, I mean, Billy Gunn works for All Elite Wrestling now. He's not even going to be... He was fired for failing a drug test in a weightlifting competition. He's not even a part of their universe, really. So, and his singles career... Another guy, I mean, sorry, he was a decent worker, but he's not a Hall of Fame single star. The one Billy Gunn is not going in. So but I he, think, he is a former King of the Ring. He is, but so is Mabel. So uh, there's a lot of... So is Ken Shamrock. So you can go a lot of different directions if that's one of your criteria, but he's not going to get another speech. And no. so I think it's kind of unfair when you get lumped in a group because you don't get the Mr. T speech that you can go on for an hour and a half or whatever. Oh, you don't, Lord. Yeah. You don't get, or any of the other guys that just drone on and on. I mean, right. even, you know, Hacksaw Jim Duggan got a fair speech, you know, but, oh, yeah. now you're in a group, We hurry along, hurry along. So almost, to me, you could almost just put in DX and have this be the entire class so that everyone gets time to talk.
2: True. That is very true. You could, and... Conversations were talked and still in talk about the Heart Foundation. I tend to agree with my buddy uh, Brian Pillman Jr. that if you're doing the Heart Foundation, you need to do the actual Heart Foundation. Brett Owen Neidhart, um British Bulldog, you know Brian Pillman. the the whole The whole Heart Foundation. <laughs> I understand the tag team Heart Foundation, but the group itself that...
1: Right, the 97 Incarnation, the Canadian Stampede Heart Foundation, yeah. is a more fondly remembered group. Because of Martha's issues with the WWE, they're never going to be able to do that. Yeah. And that's just the reality of the situation. Now, Pillman and Bulldog can get singles inductions, yeah. so there's nothing stopping them from doing that. So just because they were a part of the group, they can still get singles yeah. but it just makes me think if they do
2: something with DX, then you got to think about, like you said, the NWO. You got to think about the group itself, Heart Foundation, the the faction side of it. Like they they seem to be slowly leaning towards.
1: Oh yeah, next year, Nation and Domination. Well, I mean, The Rock will have to go in as a single star first, but then Ron Simmons will become a two time. Hall of Famer. But we talked about this a couple weeks ago where that's the direction they're going is now just groups. Now we're, yeah. we're moving on from from singles wrestlers for some reason. Are we finally
2: going to once again, possibly in some crazy way, since we didn't get it last year, the Midnight Express? No, no, I, I don't see that happening. But you got the Rock and Roll Express.
1: I don't know what their deal is with some of these wrestlers and whatever problems they have with... Certain people, it's just their selection process. It would be interesting if they opened it up, sort of like how all star voting is done for like baseball and NFL. I think the fans get a vote and it's weighted into who they pick, it's not necessarily the vote that counts. But it would be interesting to see what would happen if they did something like that. And if they
2: told the truth, too, don't tell us like if every teenage girl puts down Roman Reigns. Stick with me on this. Like, tell us the truth. Say, oh, well, Roman Reigns was voted as, like, the top person, but, however, we don't feel he reaches the criteria of the Hall of Fame, so we're throwing that vote out or something. Be honest. Fucking just stand up and be honest.
1: Also, maybe make it clear what kind of criteria you need. Do, right. do you need to be retired for a certain number of years? What qualifications do you need to have held a title? Do you need to have done this? What do you need like at least that gives us some idea of like, oh, who who can we expect and who can who can we rule out basically, yeah. but they're never going to do that cuz it's no. just whatever. Just like the rest of pro wrestling, it's just whatever they feel like in the moment. Right. And that's what we go with, I mean, I liked degeneration X as a kid. I think it's a little almost early to do their induction, but I, haven't, I I do too. I have no problem with ultimately it was bound to happen, so
2: yeah, it was gonna happen eventually, so why not just do it now? and don't get me wrong. listen, China did amazing things in professional wrestling, okay I, as a wrestling fan am thrilled to see her get the dues. That she deserves, but does she deserve to go in? If you're going from full life, everything, no, that's just how I feel.
1: I just have to disagree because I don't think doing porn uh, is—it's a way she made money. It was a way to keep her from uh, keep a roof over her head. Uh, It was something that, however you feel about pornography or whatever, I don't feel like that should be weighted into. No, I'm not. This process or yeah. drug use. I mean, if they went into drug use, I mean, good Lord. I mean, Road Warrior Hawk and Mr. Yeah. Perfect and all these other guys would be thrown out. Right. No, I'm not saying
2: that. I'm just saying if they're sticking to the PG stuff, you can't tell me that there isn't a kid out there that's going to be like, oh, DX. Well, this is so-and-so and this and it's going to go out there, plug in her name and
1: find that. You're making the same case that Triple H did on the podcast with Austin that they put on the network or whatever, and that's why he said that she couldn't get in. Is because oh, well, there might be a kid that Google's it. Well, I got some bad news, kids. If you Google Lana, if you Google Mickey James, if you Google Sonny, you're gonna find naked pictures of them too. Yeah. Even if you find, even if you Google Paige, who has a major motion picture coming out, whether those pictures were put out by her choice or not, you're gonna find some interesting stuff about her. True. So. I don't think that can really be an argument unfortunately. When you google anybody Patrick, you're bound If you google Seth Rollins, you will find a picture of this man's junk. So that's just the way of the internet. That's the right. way of the world now. I right. mean, and I think that's sort of a silly argument too. It's it's sort of like what's funny about Hunter saying that is because in the late 90s when Vince was under pressure from the Parents Television Council, who he makes fun of with the RTC, the right to censor in the pay per view we're about to review. Right. He basic his argument was be a parent. Parents need to supervise their kids and be aware of what their kids are watching, and so be aware of what your kid is googling. Exactly. So, so I think it's kind of stupid for Hunter to now, many years down the road, say, "Oh well, you know, we got to watch out for what the kids are googling." And okay, uh, so.
2: What I'm getting at is, if we're stepping away from the PG era, if we're finally going back to what wrestling should be, then by all means, yes, she deserves to go in. That is my argument. This company wants to be PG, but are realizing that they're failing in this process. So they bounce back and forth between the two. And I'm a person that I'm not... Fucking okay with that. Either pick a side and stand on it, or get the hell out of the way.
1: Well, I
2: mean, and I understand what uh, you're. It's WWE, so they're not. That's not going to happen. But either BPG and live with the consequences of fans not being there and ratings going to shit, or pick a side and jump back and realize fans aren't there and ratings have gone to shit, and we're going to go back to being. PG13 in the way wrestling should be but they love to throw it back and forth across the fence all
1: the time lately. Well, it's all everything. I mean, yeah. it's every it doesn't even have to do with necessarily their content. It's they go back and forth with everything. It's like their deal with Saudi Arabia. They're giant hypocrites. They promote women's evolution. Oh, women are, re- are wrestlers and they deserve to be the main event of our pay-per-views, but we're going to go to a country where they can't even wrestle. And we're going to take the money from there. So it, it's its not just on that issue. its They run an ad for the Special Olympics when a few years ago they had a character named Eugene who very much made fun of, of disabled people. And so they flip-flop all the time. So it, it's just impossible to try to hold them to any sort of... It would be nice. It would be nice if they picked a lane on anything and just stayed in it. Yeah. I mean, you see where I'm coming from on this topic
2: is... And that's what I'm trying to... I hope our listeners see that as well. Pick that lane. Stick with it. Because then we understand criteria-wise where everything stands.
1: I think when it comes to Hall of Fame inductees, too, they're not so much worried about what the kids think. Because to be honest with you, if I'm a kid... And what I would hate the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is a terrible event for children because children have an attention span the size of your pinky they're not gonna stick around and watch people give long speeches and drone on about the good old days or who trained them or what gym they came from or whatever that's true it is boring i'm sorry even as an adult sometimes i'm sitting there going what the fuck am i watching see and for me the hall of fame is my favorite part of
2: wrestlemania weekend
1: i like parts of it i like it when the when people give good speeches but not everyone's meant to give Good speeches. Not everyone's good on the mic, and also some people aren't as open as others on the mic, so you don't get what you want out of them, and so... But yeah, I'll give it a shot every year. It's like Russian roulette because <laughs> it's I'll 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 take my chance and hope that I get something good out of it. But like last year, like Jeff Jarrett, I was hyped. I was like, oh man, I never thought I'd see the day that Jeff Jarrett came back to his company. I'm sure he's got a lot to say. Didn't have shit to say, Patrick. Not didn't a have, damn
2: thing. Not a, a fucking thing.
1: No, single Road Dog. Cornette. Yeah, same thing. Cornette.
2: We built that shit up like it was. He was going to rip the earth wide open didn't say a fucking word yeah so it's the the man who you can't get to shut up to shut up he
1: shut up he did and even on that table for three they edited it to shit so so when he actually does say something they fucking cut it and left it on the floor yeah with the hall of fame they could actually induct, like, fucking Jenna Jameson. They could induct a porn star because a kid is... It would be terrible to sit there and listen to these speeches. Like, I just think the percentage of children that watch the Hall of Fame has to be less than 5%. No, yeah. That, or that would even, if they watch it, they can't even process it. Like, the Academy Awards are happening. By the time this podcast is out, they will have probably happened. It is the worst award show by far, and that's because they don't have any musical acts this year they don't even have a host. they don't even have a comedian this year. It's just speeches i kid I don't want to listen to that as we do. I say that i I'm being a hypocrite because we're about to do a two hour podcast where we just talk but you know, but we're... we say shit that's interesting, oh yes, Patrick, but I wouldn't suggest a kid listen to our podcast because it would bore the shit out of a kid well because of my foul mouth, but still. Well, Anyway, congrats to DX on a Hall yeah. of Fame induction, and uh, I want Billy Gunn to wear an AEW shirt to uh, accept his. I wonder if they're going to make him take it off. They'll make him take it off on stage, which he never really had a problem taking his shirt off or his shorts off in his wrestling career it's to true. Uh, show off his uh, glutes, so to speak. Right. So, um, I'm actually extremely on on
2: a personal side. I'm extremely happy to see Road Dog get his get his dues and get what I feel like he had as a legendary career.
1: I I he went, I don't think he was a good wrestler. He, he had a lot of charisma. He did everything else that a wrestler had I mean, he had everything out it's like if he if you took all of the charisma and the mic skills and the showmanship of him but put it transferred it to Billy Gunn's physique and his athleticism you would have the perfect like the two of them together would make a perfect wrestler. Yeah. If you were to somehow merge them into one person. But his actual wrestling part, I mean, in some ways it's impressive because just like someone like Dusty Rhodes or someone like that, it's it's do the most with the least. And he was able to do that right. in the ring. Like right. his matches still got reactions and he didn't have to go flying through the hell in a cell. He doesn't have to do a swanton bomb. He can just do his you know shake rattle and roll shit and place still, goes crazy it's still fine so in that in that regard i have a lot of respect for what he did because you know the guys that that busted their ass are are hobbling around today and he was able to still make more money than them be more popular than them and did half the work. Yeah. So in that regard, I have a lot of respect for him. But I mean, Worked smart, not hard. He had a he had a successful. I mean,
2: arguably one of the top five greatest tag teams in this company
1: prior to the golden age of the Dudleys and and Edge and Christian and stuff. I mean, it was the, the new. Ta- a, it was they were it.
2: The much. tag team of the Attitude Era. But for him to then transcend into the Intercontinental title runs that he had and the hardcore title matches that he had, I think he had a successful singles career as well. So that's why I feel like he is very deserving of this honor. Um, Billy Gunn, like you said, I feel is deserving. And so, I mean, a- everybody in this class, everybody in the D- in DX is deserving. It's to a point in which how deserving are they really? But yes, they are. There's... Everybody in this class is deserving. I am happy to see them all get what they deserve and get, especially the guys like Waltman and China and the Outlaws, because uh, the, these are guys that probably will never see this stage right, yeah. ever again.
1: Well, they'll see the stage maybe as introducing someone else, possibly. Yeah. Road Dog. probably. They would have no shot at singles inductions. So. Right. But we'll see who the rest of the class is. Like I said, this is almost enough people where you could just say that's it. And just have one group. I'm rooting for my celebrity to go in.
2: David Arquette? David Arquette. Well, wow. Or Andy Kaufman. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe you'll get your wish. I feel like one of those two deserve. But uh, moving forward, Roman Reigns is going to be on Raw this Monday night.
1: That's right. He is going to give us an update on his treatment, which I assume will be good news. Based on the pictures I saw of him a few weeks ago, which I was telling you about, he looked fine from the pictures. Now, I mean, pictures don't always tell the whole story, but he was up in Michigan at a car show signing autographs. And so I saw a few pictures of fans with him, and he looked really good. And I wouldn't be surprised if he said that he was cancer free would be i mean they're not going to promote bad news they wouldn't no. promote bad news or have him out there to give bad news so i assume that he'll say that he's probably cancer free he's probably not cleared to return to the ring yet but at elimination chamber in the braun Strowman match they had a lot of outside interference and two people interfered and helped uh, baron corbin defeat braun Strowman. yet drew mcintyre and bobby lashley came out to help baron corbin and they did the Shield Power Bomb to Braun Strowman, and it was really weird because on Raw there was no follow up to this, there was no mention of it, and there really wasn't a, re- there didn't even show a replay of it. But they did the Shield Power Bomb, and they even did, I think maybe imitated the Shield Pose for a minute. So it seems like they were heading to uh, at Fastlane. It's going to be. Since Dean is leaving the company after WrestleMania, they wanted to get one more S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion, but, I mean, Roman, if he can't go, I think Braun will be in his place, and so you'll have Braun, Seth, and Dean taking on Baron, Bobby Lashley, and Drew McIntyre in a three-on-three match because Dean is a face now after saying Slay the Beast to Seth Rollins. That's all it took to erase three months' worth of heel work. And I think on Raw, you'll see Roman Reigns say that he'll be in their corner or something like that. But I totally, I fully expected him to be at WrestleMania raising Seth Rollins' hand after he beats Brock Lesnar one way or another. And then after that, I think he'll be cleared to return probably so the superstar shakeup will let you know where he goes probably and then uh, we'll see when he comes back to the ring but that's what i expect to hear on monday is that he's yeah. on his return from atlanta the state farm arena you were right it's not the phillips arena anymore it's the state farm arena and it's also rick flair's 70th birthday yes Nate will be seventy
2: this coming Monday, and it is going to be a Raw devoted to him, which I
1: think is phenomenal and great. Now when you say now see, when you say devoted, I believe we will get one segment about this. In theory, it could be the whole show, but I think it's gonna be one segment, and it's really just a backdrop to the Charlotte and Becky thing. And you'll have Rick in the ring, and maybe after Raw goes off the air, they'll have some exclusive footage of all the wrestlers actually just hanging out with Nate in the ring. But I assume that is this is just to further his daughter's storyline right now. So, you
2: know what I really want to see? I want to see him lace up and him and Steamboat on Monday Night Raw one more time. Yeah,
1: I don't think that's gonna happen. He lives near Atlanta, so it's a short drive for him. Yeah, he lives practically in Atlanta, so... Nate, 70 years old, and I was telling you before we went on the air, I always thought he was much older, and it was because of the white hair thing, so even even in the 90s and stuff, I always... I, I didn't like him a lot, because... Not only did he cheat all the time, which, you know, I was a man of virtue, okay? You know, I don't like cheaters. But he looks old. Like, he just didn't fit in with the rest of the mulleted, black, wet hair that was going on in the 90s. So he just looked ancient to me, and it was just because of that white hair. Yeah, And uh, so I always thought he was actually older than he was. So to think that he's only 70 is, is kind of crazy to me. He could live to be 100. Space Mountain, right? Oldest... Ride. Oldest ride, longest line. Right. That's. He is the Space Mountain of wrestlers. That's true. That's very true. Not good enough to get a biopic made out of him. uh, No, not
2: at all. But you know who is? None other than the Hulkster brother. Chris Hemsworth is going to be starring as Hulk Hogan in a biopic on Netflix about the Hulkster's life.
1: Yeah, the guy who plays Thor, which. It's a very generous casting choice for one, Hulk Hogan, who Chris Hemsworth uh, has a lot more hair uh, than Hulk Hogan and is in better physical condition, I think, at his age than Hogan was without, you know, certain uh, help from uh, certain drugs. And I'm pretty sure Chris Hemsworth has hit those drugs a time or
2: two himself.
1: I don't know, man. He doesn't look. Overly, He doesn't look like Hunter Hearst Helmsley in 2002. (laughs) True. (laughs) He's muscular, but he... he, I'm not getting... Okay, I'm getting off topic. I'm not going to talk about Chris Hemsworth muscle definition. But anyway, from what I've read about this movie, it only deals with the rise of Hulkamania. It doesn't go past that. And that's when shit gets interesting to me. And just like the Page movie, I don't want to see the Page movie end with her winning the diva's title i want the page movie that starts with del rio and doing drugs and staying out all night and doing crazy shit and almost getting arrested just like the hogan movie i want to start when his wife divorces him and from he goes hogan, up to, from hogan's hogan knows best
2: yes to a year and a half later shit goes to you know everything a yeah, car shit.
1: crash and yeah. all the stuff all the turbulence American Gladiators, when he said he almost killed himself. That's the kind of drama, that's the high drama I want. Yeah. The Rise of Hulkamania, I don't need to really see that. We've seen that a thousand times. I mean, it's still running wild. Yeah. it still exists to this day. So I'll be interested to see if this ever actually makes it to production. Yeah, you said on, you
2: didn't think it would ever hit hit a screen room.
1: No, there's a lot of projects that we've discussed, even on this podcast in the last couple of years, that have never progressed. Like there was that movie, we mentioned China earlier, there was that movie about her towards the end of her life that has never seen the light of day. Yeah. There was that Vince McMahon uh, Biopic that was announced a couple of years ago, where it was outrageous. The the script that leaked online, where like he met Linda, at a, Linda was like a stripper or something in it. It was like this totally fictionalized version of his life. That I was going
2: to say because
1: I know that shit ain't true. I know, but it was it was something really crazy. Like the script that came out was like really crazy. But yeah. that was supposed to be in development. There's a few other wrestling movies that have just never. Materialized, and so a lot goes on in Hollywood and in movie production in general. Anyone that's tried to make a movie, and I've never done it, but I I followed uh, this guy, the angry video game nerd. So he's basically a YouTube star, and he crowdsourced his movie, and he he got like three hundred grand to make this movie, and it took him like five or six years to make this movie from start to finish, and even the finished product. Felt unfinished, but there's so much red tape involved with securing shooting locations and just all you all the work that has to go into these movies is well, yeah. Different. Jake
2: Roberts was in filming in a movie, and uh, right when he got in clean and sober, the money ran out. They weren't able to finish filming and
1: finish the movie and all that, so it never hit. There was a wrestling documentary I saw a few years ago. I can't recall the name of it, but it was sort of like Beyond the Mat, and it focused on, like, Kevin Sullivan was the centerpiece of it, but then there was also, like, Sherry Martell and stuff. But it was all filmed, and by the time it finally came out, Sherry Martell had passed away. And then one of the young wrestlers they profiled, Trent Acid, he had passed away. Sometimes by the time these things get out, the people involved are no longer with us. or Right. No one's interested in the story anymore, so movies are tough to get made. So we'll we'll see, but very interesting choice. And uh, I wonder who's going to play other people. Like who's going to play Mean Gene? You know who's going to play who's going to play Hogan? Vern Gagne. I
2: mean, who's going to play not Hogan, but who's going to play Andre? (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. That's a kind of difficult role to cast because no one on earth looks like Andre the Giant. So, I mean, that's
2: the whole point of where Hulkamania was one thing. but that, That'll
1: probably be the closing scene is exactly. like him slamming Andre. Exactly. Big Show, of course, naturally. Probably, yeah. But you can't, I don't know if you can put enough makeup on anybody to make them look like Andre the Giant. Big Show's going to have to grow a full head of hair really fucking quick. Yeah. Uh, the wig will look very noticeable on Mr. <laughs> Paul White. You, you
2: know who who was really hard to get over who was really hard to to move forward and, and to become something great, that would be the perfect 10,
1: Ty Dillinger. Ty Dillinger this past week celebrated his birthday, and on his birthday, Patrick actually tweeted out that he wants his release from the WWE
2: now. This is the dumbest fucking thing he's ever done in his life.
1: Yeah, you say that, but I kind of thought that... Cody Rhodes leaving the company was a bad idea and turned out fine for him but I don't think Ty Dillinger I'm not gonna try and compare the two because I have never really seen a whole lot in Ty Dillinger now I know that a lot of people disagree with that assessment because he was super over in NXT the last few years but he did spend a long time in NXT and has spent a long time In pro wrestling, he was on ECW, the WWE version back in 2008, 2009. So you're talking about he's already got a decade in as a guy that was on their radar. And then he spent so long in developmental and they gave him this gimmick, the perfect 10. Okay, that chant got over. The 10 fingers got over. But his mic skills never really developed. There was never any fleshing out of this character. What does it mean to be a perfect 10? Do you, like, the Mr. Perfect promos back in the day of him like actually like hitting a strike or throwing a basketball behind him, that helped establish what Mr. Perfect was. What is a perfect 10? We don't know because it was a guy holding up fingers and just saying 10 over and over again. And while that chant got over, he he never really showed me anything in the ring that said, man, this guy's a breakout star. They're totally mishandling him. I I kind of thought that he was slotted about where he was going to get. Yeah, I
2: I hate saying this because it makes so people so many people mad. But I think of him as like a um Zack Ryder. He got where he got on the main roster to workhouse shows, and that's it. You won't see him on TV. You're not going to see him anywhere near a title. Take the money, dude, because you're not going to make it on the indie scene. Well, there's a
1: rumor that he could be Cody's opponent at Double or Nothing, and if that's the case, if AEW starts signing guys like Ty Dillinger, and I hate to make this comparison already because they have yet to do anything, you know, that we have yet to see anything. It's a downfall. It's a downfall. It brings them to TNA's level where, yeah, oh, you used to work for WWE? Come here. Yeah, I don't care who you are, yeah. what you can do for us, you have... Some sort of value because you worked there. Please come work for us. And the best example that I can compare Ty Dillinger to is sort of like Damian Sandow... Right before he left the company, right before he got released from the WWE, all the internet fans and all the people on Twitter, Damian Sandow, why don't you guys see anything in Damian Sandow? He's so great. He's so awesome. Ed, the Edge and Christian Show even like mentioned it, and which has been cut out of the episode, by the way, from season one. There was this thing where it's talked about, oh, he got over on his own, but they're just not recognizing it. Okay, so he gets released. He goes to Impact. He's Aaron Rex. What does he do? Nothing not a damn thing because some people are overhyped some people we feel sorry for them as fans and we're like oh it's the, it's clearly the company's fault you know and that's that's true in the cases of a lot of people but for some people it's actually a little bit of both the company didn't do anything to help him but he prob- maybe he didn't do anything to help himself either and so, if he gets out there, look, I could be totally wrong. We could be totally wrong about this. He could go to AW, become the biggest superstar in this country, and just make a scene. But I just don't see it.
2: I don't see it either.
1: I would cut people who I don't see much in that I know. That's why they want to hang on to Dean Ambrose, because they see there's some potential there. But people that you know... See, I feel
2: like Double or Nothing... Dean Ambrose
1: and Cody Rhodes. Well, I think he won't. That would be his huge. ninety days won't be up by then. So yeah, you're right. So yeah, I would send all the people. I would send anybody on a level of Ty Dillinger. I'd send Titus O'Neill. <laughs> I said it. I'm sorry. I've said it at least on six of these podcasts where he's the guy that I got to get rid of. I would send people like that. I'd send the Ascension. I'd send. All these guys that just have gone nowhere, that they're just going to sabotage whoever... These NXT call-ups aren't delivering. Yeah, for my, the most part. For
2: the most part, they're not delivering. And for Yeah, good for, thing
1: they called up four more on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. They brought up Ciampa and Gargano, they brought up Aleister Black, and they brought up Ricochet. This is only a month or two after they brought up five other ones, so... It was really weird. It was really flat on Monday. Lafayette, Louisiana, this crowd had no knowledge of this going into the show because it wasn't promoted. So Triple H comes out and he says, Some of you might know I run NXT. Well, tonight we're gonna have these guys. Crowd didn't know who the fuck they were. They didn't know what to expect, so it was cold. It was a really And tough then they compete on SmackDown, am I right? They did, they did double duty. And they it- won all their matches
2: both nights. I feel like you you have to be special to actually be transferred from NXT to WWE, and I feel like now... Instead of keeping people in NXT that they should keep in NXT, they're moving them up to the main roster to just free up space for newcomers to NXT. I don't think that that's right. Well,
1: they gotta they gotta make some room to have people riding the pine. You know, they gotta sign everybody that's available out there. Oh yeah, but these four, I think, will do okay on the main roster. But I say that I mean they haven't had a lot of luck with everyone else they've seemed to call up. There's very few. Shining example. Very few. We're talking about Finn Balor. Well, even that. Samoa Joe. And he has no titles to his name. I mean, he's been an excellent performer for them, but he... But I consider him to be top five
2: on SmackDown.
1: Yeah, everyone on SmackDown, I think, gets a better chance than on Raw but in I general. Think, I think Balor for sure top five on raw it seems like it's also disproportionate but the women they call up from nxt like it seems like they struggle i think nikki cross is
2: actually going to do well she's Mm -hmm. one of the few i haven't i haven't seen much out of Ember moon i haven't well she's injured now so well i'm just i haven't I i mean yes she's great she's very talented I see her definitely on a main Raw slot, or a main roster slot. I don't see her moving up to being a champion or being a main eventer for the women's title. I don't see any of that in her future. I could be completely wrong on all this, but it's how I feel.
1: Dana Brooke has been there now on the main roster two or three years, and I just don't, there's nothing, she hasn't developed, she hasn't progressed, she was called up too early. Some people, they call up too early, and then some people who are ready, like an Apollo Cruz, they call up, they don't have anything for you, and so you just flounder. What's kind of annoying about it is that they have five hours of TV each week and three on Raw and they waste so much time on bullshit. Those performers that that need to get out there, that need to get some spotlight, some shine, they're left off because oh we gotta have a ten minute talking segment. Oh we gotta do this instead. That we go backstage
2: for a camera interview and instead of it being like stone cold, what are you what's gonna happen when you get in the ring with Rock tonight? You know, I'm gonna kick his ass. I'm going to drink a beer, and I'm going to shove it down his throat. Something like that. Boom. Cut back to the ring. Nowadays- My we, guess at this time. My guess at this time is this person. Well, this was said about you. Well, this is what's been going on with the corporate- Well, then they ha-
1: they have to give their scripted answer.
2: Yeah, and it's just fucking- It takes forever. Instead of hitting that, that strong 30 seconds in and out, they go like two and three fucking
1: minutes for one person, and it's- Terrible. Well, and not to mention all the times they we come back from break and they replay what we just fucking saw. Yeah. If you weren't
2: watching before the break, that's your fucking problem.
1: That episode of ECW Hardcore TV we watched for last week's review was forty five minutes and it had no bullshit in it. Not it was no, yeah. Everything made sense. Even the introduction of Just Incredible, it was necessary, but it took a couple minutes. Yeah. We got the story. And then the match And it wasn't... Right. And it was him coming out, saying who he
2: was, and then, boom, we got a match with him. Not, here I am, and then in two and a half hours, I'm going to be back in this ring, and...
1: No, shut the fuck up. If you're out there, damn it, you're out there, let's go. It's unfortunate for guys like Ty Dillinger, who aren't even given the TV time, even though I think his skills are limited. He's not given the TV time despite having all the time in the world and an entire network they could fill up with whatever. They just don't.
2: Why don't we start recording live events and showing live events?
1: That was kind of the the test they did with that Starcade they did in December was sort of a guinea pig. I guess they didn't get the response they wanted out of that, but they've incorporated Becky uh, got attacked by Charlotte and re-injured her knee over the weekend and they've incorporated that onto tv and that happened at a house show so i think they are going to start maybe exploring that down the road but that
2: was the exciting part of of wrestling was shit they're gonna be in cobb county on friday night then atlanta on monday and then birmingham alabama on wednesday it's like fuck what happened to those nights. That, I mean, all I got to see was Monday. You know, what the hell happened? Did, did a title change? Did somebody get attacked? Like, and then you tune in, and
1: that excitement was there. When Bret Hart won the belt in Saskatoon, when Macho Man lost the title to Flair, these were at non-televised events. Non-televised events, and which are
2: great, because then the cameras are rolling, and they can show when they go to TV, but that's the exciting part. We've we've said it, I think we brought it up a couple of shows ago, when we were talking about the fact that live events totals are way down. That's why. Because you go into it, you already know what the show's going to be. Yeah. Champions are going to win. Or it's going to be a fuck finish. And I mean, there's no excitement there. Yeah. And so... It's not worth your money. It's not worth your money. And so, yeah, I think that's... I mean, think of how many fucking times the Hardcore title changed hands. Every week you went on Monday Night Raw and there was a new...
1: It wasn't even the champion from last Monday. Sometimes the matches were not even between the people that were supposed to be in the match. Exactly. Other people would join in. It's crazy. Yeah, the 24-7 days. I mean, just exciting things like that that kept you on your toes. So, did you check out any of Elimination Chamber on I did. Sunday? I watched your, it all. What are your thoughts on Elimination Chamber?
2: I knew he had the ability. I knew he had it in him when he had his big run with Randy Orton quite a few years back. But I am ecstatic to see what Kofi Kingston pulled off in the Elimination Chamber.
1: I was really excited about how the match was laid out because it gave you the feeling that he could win which is something in most matches especially on these B shows especially in between rumble and wrestlemania many many years where it's like i know nothing of consequence is going to happen and there was a match on that pay-per-view between ronda rousey and ruby riot which went right down that road it's like you know nothing here is going to happen and it was a yeah. squash match but here you had a contender that wasn't even in the match until the SmackDown beforehand. But they had him in the match go the distance and went 50-50 with Brian through most of the match. And then ultimately didn't prevail. But they gave you enough false finishes where you actually bought into it. And yeah, it was done
2: well. And it was that's that's the craziest thing is like I'm sitting on the edge of my seat going this motherfucker's going to win. Like he's going to pull this off. They'll just do a tie you know they'll do a title change on smackdown the next night or something or you know on tuesday or they'll you know he's not going to he's not going to make it to wrestlemania but this son of a bitch is going to win now
1: no it it was the first match in a really long time that i sat down that i actually thought they might go in a different direction than what i went into the match thinking yeah like I thought that he would get a good showing, but I definitely didn't think that I would be convinced as such a jaded wrestling fan that I would buy into it. But they made me believe, me too? and that's one of the when wrestling is good like that. That's something that they don't. It's hard to replicate because in so many matches we just we, you just know you just yeah. know how it's going to go, right? And this was one that went uh, slightly different than I predicted, but Brian did ultimately prevail. But then on SmackDown, Kofi was given the shot at Fastlane, so they're at least, from what I read, they have changed direction. That He was never the intended opponent for Bryan at Fastlane, so they've at least responded to the reaction he got in Houston at the Elimination Chamber, which was massive. I mean, this crowd was so disappointed when he lost, and they were so hot for him in that match. I'm glad that the company is actually, because they've missed it on so many other people. Oh, uh, yeah. Even if Kofi goes into Fastlane and just gets annihilated, well, at least he got a shot because of they actually listened to the response that he got. And the story to be told, which we have been talking about, the rumble spot with the veteran who's never gotten the opportunity. It's almost what they're doing with Kofi Kingston yes, here. Exactly exactly. This,
2: this veteran who has been with the company since, like, what, 2006?
1: 2005? Maybe a little bit later than that, but... Around then, I mean, eleven years, so two thousand eight. Okay, yeah. His last
2: big push was <laughs> for for the intercontinental title with Randy Orton, and he's pouring the orange paint on the Nat, Randy Orton's custom NASCAR car, like and but uh, boom, he was nothing. And now all the but always I, a consistent and worker, he's always a consistent worker. And he when when Royal Rumble would roll around the very first question people was how is he gonna how is he going to avoid getting eliminated this year
1: well not just that just any multi-man match money in the banks ladder matches he right. was always penciled in as one of the just but you knew oh well he's not gonna win anything but he always put on a good show while he right. was in there right and so
2: to see him finally get his his just dues to see him. And that's what I, you, you hear him, you overhear when they come out uh, to help him out of the ring. You overhear Big E telling him, you know, get your roses, get your roses. That's because. He has busted his ass for that company, and for him to stand in that ring in the Elimination Chamber by himself and an entire crowd of people cheering for him and yelling and screaming at the top of their lungs clapping for him, getting his just dues was a memorable spot I 100% believe in his career and one that should have happened a long time ago, but I am thankful and thrilled that it's happening now. And I believe 100% he has a title run in him. If they will just stick with this. If they will stick with this. Imagine, stick with me on this. Royal Rumble winners going on with Lesnar, right? Well yeah, yeah. Okay. So the new day comes out, they're in the corner of Kofi and you got uh, Rowan the recycler. Rowan in, in the corner of Daniel Bryan Daniel Bryan and in in this and in, in like some clusterfuck. We don't have a clear winner. And he's like, No, i'm going i want my fucking clean title shot we go to wrestlemania kofi kingston wins the fucking wwe title well yeah it'd be pretty remarkable yeah it would be metlife
1: stadium yeah
2: it would be the ultimate thing now he doesn't have to be a champion for you know if i'm not saying he doesn't
1: need some thousand day title right but
2: he he deserves to be a champion and he's a damn workhorse that like you said, you could pencil him in and you knew you knew you were gonna get every ounce of his blood, sweat, and tears. He were gonna get every back breaking moment that he could possibly give you every night.
1: Yeah, and since that match isn't gonna close the show or anything, I don't see why not. I've read online that they have different plans for Brian at WrestleMania, but, and even maybe talks of splitting the New Day, which I think would be stupid based on how much merchandise they sell. And because I do think Big E has a run, a singles run in him down the line. Yeah. But I don't think they have to have some sort of Marty Jannetty, Shawn Michaels breakup here. I, why can't they just have a an association and still have singles careers but right uh so we'll see what happens with that but yeah a very a very memorable elimination chamber a very memorable b show heading into another b show then heading into wrestlemania cuz I don't think we get a lot of these in the last few years no like like our pick this week it's a
2: B-show heading into WrestleMania, but it's it's one of those shows where you're like, damn,
1: this was good. So it was my pick this week. It was WWF No Way Out from 2001, February 25th. Almost this episode might come out on the exact anniversary of this show. In front of 15,223 people... At the Thomas and Max Center in Las Vegas, Nevada, the cover athlete for this is Kurt Angle dancing on what appears to be a circuit board for some reason. This was heading into WrestleMania X7, so WCW is in its dying days here. Very. Only a few weeks left of WCW, so this is really the final pay-per-view. This is the final pay-per-view of uh, the Monday Night Wars era of pro wrestling Uh, from the WWF, so that's sort of notable. This is the last where they had competition. This is the last show they put on, and quite a good show for a, as you said, a B pay-per-view heading into Mania. This show did nearly 600,000 pay-per-view buys, which is incredible for typically a slow pay-per-view buying season between Rumble and Mania. And the original No Way Out, No Way Out, of Texas was the actual first pay-per-view I ever watched not in person but on a scrambler box that descrambled the cable so we could watch pay-per-view for one night and that was the night of course that Shawn Michaels was replaced in an 8-man tag by Savio Vega as he was dealing with his back injury so I go through the whole night I'm like all right I'm going to finally get to see HBK oh he's not there it's Savio yeah, Vega not, there. not Exactly on the same level as Shawn Michaels. Sadly, we missed the dark match. It was Rikishi taking out Matt Hardy with Lita by DQ. So I imagine Haku probably interfered in that match. The pay-per-view opens up with a promo package recapping Angle versus Rock and Austin versus Hunter and that's it. All the other matches on this card you're going to have to figure it out as we go along because that's really all that we need to tell you about and even in the arena the custom set that they had built for this the two screens on the side just kept showing you those four people over and over again so it was quite confusing because in the main Titan Tron would be whoever's coming out but you'd always see Hunter's face pop up or Austin's face pop up. It's quite weird on those side monitors but this was in the days before it was easy to change that shit so they probably just had that on loop our setup for our two main events which i would say one was a little bit better than the other well in hunter and austin's feud there was a no touching clause which always works out well for the people involved you can't you
2: can't you can't touch the other person or you are suspended
1: for six weeks yes and wrestling suspensions, we know, are heavily enforced. They as, are. As they Becky are. Lynch was able to just walk into the arena at Elimination Chamber, with a crutch, by the way, hop over the guardrail, get in the ring, and then assault people with her crutches. She, she By the way, she busted open Rhonda, the side of Ronda's head. I'm sure that was probably because Rhonda said, lay it in, but she probably hadn't had a lot of crutches hit her yeah, head Yeah, she
2: regretted that. I've had one come across my head, and I had a not. Austin let Stephanie know, well, since I can't touch your husband I guess you'll have to do I
1: guess you'll have to do and hits a stunner on her. Yeah, and so it doesn't show it in this opening package, but the one that airs before their match, the equivalent of that, you would think, oh, well, Hunter will attack Deborah naturally. Yeah, no. But, but I don't think Deborah had been acknowledged as Austin's wife. That was still to come with the X7 feud. So his equivalent is JR, which is just funny to me that Hunter's wife is equivalent to Austin's good friend, Jim Ross. So yeah. Jim Ross took a pedigree from Triple H. If
2: you ever take a pedigree from Triple H, I promise I will slide in there to to come to your defense.
1: Well, and I'll stun your wife in, Thank you. in response. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, it's a three stages of hell match. It's a, a one-on-one match, a singles match, then a street fight, and then a cage match, if necessary. I wonder if it'll be necessary. Yes, it will. <laughs> Weeder Sports Nutrition presents no way out with a crappy cover version of Bush's Machine Head to play okay. us in. Okay, so what is waiter's <laughs> nutrition? Sports nutrition? I believe it's some sort of supplement. I'm sure it's like the <laughs> 2001 version of Ico Pro. I don't think I've heard anything of this product since then, so I don't know that it's still on the market. I didn't even know what the hell it was. We're in Las Vegas, and it's standing room only at WWF New York. JR and King have the calls. This is King's final pay-per-view until later that year, as he would be walking out of the company on Tuesday with his wife. So... He would not call X7. Instead, Paul Heyman, in his first pay-per-view call ever for the WWF, calls the biggest pay-per-view in their history. Raven is out first. It's a plunder match, and he's got the plunder and his hardcore title. He's got his uh, shopping cart full of his stop sign and his other toys. This is the pleather shorts era of Raven, in case you're wondering. He had ditched the jorts. He's taking on Big Show. Who gets jumped by a masked woman on the way out, who JR keeps calling a ninja woman. Who is this ninja woman? Yes. Did we ever find out who this woman was? Yes, this this would turn out to be Tori, the original Tori of DX fame, who is not going in the Hall of Fame. This angle would only last with her a couple more weeks, and then she would be fired, I think. I was going to say,
2: why did this, because I did not even remember who it was. (laughs) So, how is it Tori, and why is it Tori, and how did this fuse She's aligned with Raven in some way, but I have no further details. So, you that. have no clue as to how it... I'm going to have to go back and, and research it now. Yeah, how it played out. Yeah. It, but
1: she didn't do a very good job here, because... It turns out the Big Show's a lot bigger than her. And so he's just, like, stumbling around, and then Raven comes in with his patented stop sign that I guess he brought from WCW with him. Raven tries to hit Big Show with a stop sign, but Big Show stops it and hits him with it, and they walk down to the ring. Raven takes Big Show's back, like trying to put on a sleeper, but gets flung to the floor. Raven hits a baseball slide to Big Show, but then Crash Holly jumps Raven in a popcorn vendor's disguise. He looked like a... Popcorn vendor from the 1970s. He did. He looked like Michael P.S. Hayes selling popcorn. With this long blonde hair. Yes, he hits the acid drop to Raven. Then Big Show does his big ending. He did the final cut, which was his finisher at the time to Raven. But then Steve Blackman and Hardcore Holly, all your favorites are here, Patrick, they run in, they jump him, and Holly lights up Big Show with a trash can lid shot. Then Blackman hits him with a top rope kendo stick shot. Then the one Billy Gunn future Hall of Famer is in and hits a Famouser to Raven... And wins the belt. Wins the the hardcore title is now belonging to the one Billy Gunn. Yes, the twenty four seven rules here. So they briefly play his music, but then stop it. Blackman and Holly team up for a side suplex and a Alabama Jam combination, and then Raven pins Gunn to get his belt back. And Big Show press slams Crash. The masked woman returns the Ninja Woman, but Molly Holly. This is some sneak attack. She is running literally inches behind her the entire way out. Yes. And Molly Holly simply just stops her uh, before she can get into the ring. Then Raven gets choke slammed on a garbage can and Big Show wins the belt. Billy Gunn says, no, no, no. Wait a second. I want that belt, motherfucker. But he gets dumped to the ground and then Big Show's music plays again and he just beats up Billy Gunn some more and walks up the ramp. And Lawler says, well, that's something to be proud of. Maybe not jerry lawler but there you go garbage plunder match to kick things off i'm glad it was here that we got it out of the way it was a really tame hardcore match yeah uh, the x7 match would be much better between the three guys that were involved. much better and when you add Kane into that, it was Oh, and golf carts and oh, just, golf
2: carts and giant stage throws and
1: Yeah, if you're gonna do comedy garbage brawling, then at least it was quick. I really would have just rather left this off the pay per view and I don't know, given Rock an angle another five minutes or something. Really? I, I actually enjoyed this match.
2: I'm glad it well, was part of this pay. What did you like about it? I love the hardcore title, number one, and number two, it was very entertaining to see like who the hell's coming out next. Yeah, it was almost a
1: gimmick battle royal Yeah, We go to some video of Kurt Angle getting out of a limo, and he unfortunately runs into Kevin Kelly, who has to interview him. Angle says he's doing great, and he's glad we're in the city of losers, because The Rock is going to be a loser tonight here in Las Vegas.
0: Well, I'm doing just fine. I'm not sure how The Rock is doing after the beating I gave him last Thursday on SmackDown, but I'm doing super. It's only fitting that we're having this match here in Las Vegas, because Las Vegas has the highest percentage of losers than any other city in this country. And tonight, there will be one more loser added to that list, and that's the Brahma Bull.
1: Fatal 4-Way match next for the IC belt with X-Pac future Hall of Famer Jericho Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit. Jillian Garcia is with Benoit and Eddie, as Fink is still the main ring announcer. Eddie is pissed at Jericho, and Benoit promises that one of them, Eddie or Benoit, will win the belt.
3: Chris, Eddie, you are moments away from the fatal four-way for the Intercontinental Championship. Now, how are you going to be able to coexist, not only with each other, but also with X-Pac and Chris Jericho?
0: You know, the only thing that matters right now, Lillian, is the intercontinental title plus the personal vendetta that I have against Chris Jericho. He put me out for two months. Well, tonight, he goes out and say, and X-Pac, you step in the way, you'll be right with him. You want to know if we could coexist, Lillian? We understand it's every man for himself, but I will tell you this. One of us is going to walk out with that Intercontinental title, and there is no proving that wrong.
1: Jericho's out first, followed by X-Pac to his DX theme, as the X-Factor had not yet formed. We would see later that it was starting. Eddie is out to Latino heat, and then Benoit is out last. Eddie and Jericho pair up and Benoit and X-Pac pair up. Benoit takes X-Pac out to the floor, so Eddie and Benoit team up on Jericho. Jericho stops him with a spinning heel kick, but then X-Pac kicks him and gets stomped by Eddie and Benoit, so... They've teamed up. They have this alliance, Eddie and Benoit, and they're only going to break this alliance until the end, right, when it's just the two of them. We'll see how well that works out. Benoit puts X-Pac in the crossface, but Jericho breaks the submission. Eddie hits a frog splash, and Jericho breaks the cover again. Eddie then breaks a cover that Benoit had on Jericho, so we had some dissension already. A snap suplex from Benoit to X-Pac for a near fall. Then he hits a spinning heel kick and calls for the Bronco Buster, but Jericho missile drop kicks him before he can do it. Bridging German to Jericho for two, but Eddie breaks the count. Now Eddie and Benoit start brawling. Their alliance has fallen apart already. A Hurricane Rana with punches to Benoit from Eddie. Then Jericho snaps suplexes X Pac on the floor. Eddie hits a Brain Buster to Benoit for two. A vertical suplex and then Eddie calls for another frog splash, this time on Benoit, but Benoit cuts him off, hits a superplex. The ref then counts a pinfall for both Jericho and X Pac, as Benoit and Eddie were both laid out, which if he had made it to three, what would have happened, Patrick? One on one. Okay. Both men got pinned would be eliminated. But it's not an elimination match. It would be then. Benoit hits some nasty chops to Jericho in the corner and a big lariat for a near fall a bridging German to Jericho then he tries another but gets locked in the lion tamer then Jericho bails on that puts Eddie in the walls of Jericho then he puts X-Pac in the walls of Jericho but oh he's returned from last week just incredible from our review last week runs down and helps out his good friend Sean Waltman X-Pac hits a bridging full Nelson on Eddie and almost gets the win then X-Pac and Justin Credible super kick Benoit out on the side of the ring. We get a bulldog from Jericho and a lion salt to Eddie, but X-Pac breaks it up. We get the X-Factor to Jericho, but Benoit stops the count. Credible gets taken out by Benoit, so he's done. Benoit locks on the cross face to X-Pac, but gets his neck snapped by Eddie. A flying headbutt to Eddie. Jericho hits an O'Connor roll with a bridge on X-Pac and gets the win. And he keeps his IC belt. As When you showed the graphic of the four people and you asked me who's going to take the fall in this match, Sean Waltman was a 100% guarantee. Uh, Yeah. For his part, he held his own. I mean... Yeah, he did. To be the least talented out of these four performers... He's not that far behind. I mean, his he's a little past his prime here in 2001, and the X-Pac gimmick itself, boy, this crowd did not. They gave him X-Pac heat. They were sick of this fucking character. I mean, he was still coming out to his DX theme. DX had not been a thing for a year, at least at this point. Like, yeah. move on. And he would, as he would be uh, dealing with the X-Factor very soon with his buddy Justin Credible. And Albert. Oh, yes, and Prince Albert. It was a fine four-way match. I wish it was an elimination match, though, instead. Well, that's the
2: thing is that double count, that would have been awesome because then it's
1: like, oh, shit, now we got one-on-one. Who's getting eliminated? You know, who's going to win? Well, and it would make sense that Eddie and and Benoit took each other out in some way. Yeah. But it it is fine. It it was okay, except the one part when uh, X-Pac and Credible needed to break up the count and they get on the hard camera side to crouch down to do it. That was kind of stupid, but... We cut backstage, and Hunter... Oh, he's getting his fist taped up. He is ready. He's getting ready for his match. Then we go to Commissioner Regal with Vince, and Vince blames him for the Stephanie and Trish match happening. Trish is Vince's very special friend, and Stephanie is his precious little girl. That's right. So William Regal is... I I trust that when the time is right,
2: you'll know exactly what to do.
0: This whole stephanie versus trish this whole match idea was your idea you realize that and you realize that stephanie is my precious daughter my precious daddy's little girl and you realize that trish is my very good friend So therefore, since this match, this one-on-one match was your idea, I'm confident you'll know what to do. Oh. yes. As a matter of fact, when the time is right, I know you'll know exactly what to do. Yes, certainly, yes. know what to do how the bloody hell am I supposed to know what to do
1: (laughs) so Regal's screwed here there's no right choice he can make so when Vince leaves he says how the bloody hell do I know what to do? The Trish and Stephanie match is next, and it's all about Zombie Linda. Yes, Zombie Linda, the member of the White House administration in 2019, was a zombie in 2001. She was a vegetable. She was. She was in a comatose state, and Vince would often make out with Trish in front of her, and <laughs> very weird stuff. This was a very weird storyline. Ah!
0: sanitarium which quite frankly cost me a lot of money.
3: Dad and I took care of mom, but now I've got another meddlesome bitch to deal with.
0: <sighs> I think you have a very,
3: future. There's only one dominant female in this family, and that's me. You have got this all wrong. Mr. McMahon and I, we are just friends. You should have stayed in the back seat where you were more comfortable. I'm sick and tired of all the rendezvous and all of the bubble baths. I am the dominant female. Now you can
2: I mean, a very... They they went way the fuck out there with this.
1: Buster Rhymes is at WWF New York with the European champion Test. Hey, Test, what are your thoughts on this match? I hope these two bitches beat the hell out of each other. And he wants to find out who's the biggest trash bag hoe in the WWF. He stole Jericho's line here. Regal tries to talk to Trish. She says she's got a bitch to slap. Okay. By the way, WWF Raw has moved to TNN. Demand it if you don't have it. Which, if you bought this pay-per-view, you probably have it. Mm-hmm. So Then we get a promo for WWF The Music Volume 5 featuring The Rock's Pi. Which is a terrible song, by the way. It's an awesome
2: song. You should, ex- you should include it right here.
1: The Rock, the Rock
0: said Thanks ladies And more kind words Grandmother said Be polite, eat mine first So I sat down, tried her She looked quite glad Had a strange taste of mold But it wasn't so bad That's right The Rock having pie in the country <clears throat> Devoured her her aunt's And Stella was hungry That's all Rock said Bored and reading the papers Till finally a plate of the next door neighbors <gasps> Got it down fast Cause it really did please I mean it tasted so good Rock was talking Chinese ching bong bing bang.
1: I'll include a clip of it. I can't... Mm -hmm. I'm not putting that whole song in here. It's just The Rock talking through his song. I don't want none of your old pie. Want some of that young pie. (laughs) I just... It's awful. It's a good thing he went into acting and not music. It's an enhanced CD, though, they advertise, featuring The Rock's custom internet browser, which I would fucking love to see what this looked like. I, I bet it was... Just a like a picture of a fake internet browser with just the rock all over it. Trish is out first in her giant fur coat. She is not in wrestling gear, to say the least. Followed by Stephanie, who's also just in street clothes. She comes she- out to Triple H's old theme song, which also China used, so the girlfriend's got the old theme song. Stephanie looked really good here. This was
2: She did, man. She looked like she was ready to kick ass and could hold her own. Stephanie actually was looking pretty hot here.
1: Steph takes Trish down and slaps her. Steph clotheslines her and then whips her out of the corner by the hair, which Steph is ripping out. Which, by the way, these were hair extensions as Trish's... Trish's hair had a little too much volume for me to buy that all this was her hair. I think it was her hair. Okay. Steph hits a diving clothesline off the guardrail to Trish as she turned into jeff hardy for a second trish hits a stunner to stephanie on the ropes who tried to suplex her over trish stomps a mud hole in stephanie and then hits the stratus faction which was just called a bulldog at the time trish then adjusts her wedgie which gets booed by the crowd as this her bottoms had turned into a thong almost and uh when she adjusted it talking to jimmy corderas the crowd did, did not like this at all she then nails stephanie with a ddt Trish whips Stephanie off the top turnbuckle by her hair. Stephanie slams Trish's head onto the announce desk and then douses Trish with a water pitcher. So we get a wet t-shirt contest here all of a sudden, which the crowd did enjoy. King enjoyed that as well. Trish tries a Hurricane Rana, but Steph hits a powerbomb for a two count. She then pulls Trish's pants down and spanks her, which again, the King and the crowd were in agreement. They liked this a lot. Then she tries... To rip her shirt off and blatantly chokes her. But then Regal comes down to make his decision. It's time for the interference here. He trips Jimmy Corderas and stomps him while he tries to decide who he, he should help. After initially helping Trish, he puts Steph's foot on the ropes. So he helps Trish but then reconsiders. So Trish gets frustrated and slaps him. So he decides to hit a neck breaker to Trish Stratus and Steph covers and wins a very cool neck breaker this is a modified neck breaker
2: using her own arm it was very interesting I enjoyed it yeah he like
1: crosses Trish's arms that way it's not even him using his own no arm he, he to grabs do the neck her break. arm
2: grabs it and then just jerks her down with her own arm it
1: was very cool Yeah, she anyway. she gave
2: herself a neck
1: breaker yeah it was very cool the way he did it so Steph gets a big win here unfortunately linda is still a zombie you'll have to watch x7 to figure out what happens with that she was not even rings she wasn't even here tonight by the way an x7 promo airs showing people watching wrestlemania on antenna tvs which was impossible vince is backstage and he's furious what the hell was that at william regal and he says tomorrow night you team with steph and i team with trish mixed tag match baby or whatever and on Raw. Well, if that was all that was gonna happen to him, I thought this was like the beginning of the Kiss My Ass Club That's first. what I
2: thought, too. But
1: if it, all it was was a mixed tag, like, who cares? Like, Well, hell, I wanna tune in and see if the match actually happened, though. It's time for the three stages of hell, our first main event of the night, really. Hunter hit Austin with a limo, took a page out of Rikishi's book here. Then Austin decided to murder Hunter as he took a forklift to Hunter's car and dumped it upside down despite Hunter saying, no, don't don't know, which would have killed anybody else But this is Hunter Hearst Helmsley He's fine He climbed in the floorboard He was good Not a scratch on him tonight Hunter cost Austin the belt on Raw And Austin returned the favor at Royal Rumble Costing Hunter his match against Angle. That's right And then Austin went on to win the Rumble Later that night Joel. was a no contact clause but hunter didn't sign until he had already decked austin ah see it's all about do a fake signature you should do this more often he only put one h
2: <laughs> he hit the triple he hit he put one h he decks austin hits a pedigree on austin and then goes i never
1: signed and puts two more h's there that's that's brilliant so then, this is when Austin stuns Stephanie and Hunter pedigrees JR. Michael Cole asks the dumbest question in the history of backstage interviewing to Stone Cold Steve Austin Are you ready to enter hell?
0: Stone Cold, Stone Cold, are you ready to enter hell next?
1: And Austin just gives him the stank eye and walks off. What a stupid fucking question. Are you ready to enter hell? How about are you ready for the match, maybe? Not are you ready to enter hell. He's not actually going to hell. But it's three stages of hell. It's just three matches. I think Cole should have rephrased the question. Triple H is out to his newish Motorhead theme at the time. Amazing that in 2019 he's still using this theme, but he loved Lemmy. He was... Lemmy's biggest fan. Austin comes out to his disturbed theme, which he should have kept longer. They start brawling immediately. This is the regular match, which Triple H is favored to win, so of course he will. Naturally, Austin tries the Thez press. They're too close to the ropes. Hunter tries the pedigree, but Austin counters with an arm breaker. Hunter goes for the pedigree again, but his left arm, oh, it just gives out. It's not working anymore. And Austin works his left arm over. Austin finally hits the Thez press and punches for a near fall. A spine buster to Hunter. Austin tries a second rope elbow, but gets big booted. Hunter focuses on Austin's bad neck which he had the surgery on and hits it with a neck breaker and knees to the back of his head. Hunter then chop blocks Austin's knee, which by this point in Austin's career had two knee braces on it. So either knee could have been the target here. Hunter rams Austin's knee into the post a few times, lands an elbow drop to the knee and then drives it into the mat. Slaps on the figure four to Stone Cold, and then uses the ropes behind the ref's back. Austin drags Hunter to the middle of the ring, and then rolls the leg lock over, so Hunter gets to the ropes and escapes. Hunter goes for an elbow to Austin's leg, who is on the ground, but Austin catches him and drives his knee brace into Hunter's face repeatedly, which looked cool. A Athez press again for a near fall. A stunner's blocked again, so Austin clotheslines Hunter. Stunner blocked again, but Hunter hits a neck breaker to Austin. Stunner blocked... Yet again, and an O'Connor roll gets a near fall, but Austin reverses it for one of his own. Hunter then tries an axe handle off the second rope. The fourth or fifth time is a charm, and Austin finally lands the Stone Cold Stunner and gets the first fall. He wins the wrestling match, despite being the preferred brawler, even though we saw Hunter have a brawl last year many times with Mick Foley, so I don't know why they favored hunter in the wrestling match but not the technician he's the technician not a lot of technical wrestling throughout this match this was a punch kick affair for the most part and uh i mean the match told a story but they not a lot of uh you know waist locks and takedowns in this match so yeah austin doesn't wrestle that way well especially at this point in his career he did wrestle that way he used to yeah yeah but he not at this point. Hunter rolls out of the ring and they begin the street fight with Austin snap-suplexing Hunter on the steel ramp twice. Then he brings Hunter to the announce tables and decks him with a monitor. And I was shocked that Hunter didn't get out the razor blade after this because, I mean, he just gets nailed with the old-school CRT monitor. But he doesn't blade here. I was just... Stunned, knowing how much Hunter likes to blade. (laughs) Austin then throws three chairs into the ring. Hunter says, fuck this, and just leaves through the crowd, which Austin should just let him leave. Win the match by forfeit, whatever. Hunter then uh, gets drugged back down. He tries for a chair, but Austin chair shots the back of him instead several times, a sneak preview of what would happen at X7 and as Austin just wears his ass out with a chair to a big pop from the crowd of course hunter not human only two count after getting about 15 chair shots from stone cold steve austin hunter once again decides you know this match really just isn't for me tries to leave again but austin stops him slams him headfirst into the timekeeper table then he finds a two by four and barbed wire under jr's table amazing jr was storing all sorts of weaponry under that table tonight Crazy. So, in an ode to Mick Foley, here Austin has a two by four with barbed wire, which gets Foley chance from the crowd, and he misses Hunter with it. So then Hunter grabs it and hits Austin in the face with the barbed wire. So Austin blades from that, and Hunter knocks him back over the table. They brawl on the announcers table. Then Hunter wants a pedigree. You know where this is going. Austin, of course, back body drops him through the Spanish. Announced table so carlos cabrera will not have a table the rest of the night austin smashes hunter with an open beer can that he had found if he had only known this would be bad omen for later on in the night <laughs> earl tries to stop austin austin says hey get the fuck out of here which was very audible on the microphone hunter steals the ring bell and nails austin with it but of course only gets a two count swinging neckbreaker to austin on a chair two times but this only gets near falls austin tries the million dollar dream but gets dropped on a chair for another two count hunter wants a pedigree on a chair but austin drops him out of the ring austin swings for the fences with a steel chair and wallops hunter in the face with it this finally gets hunter to blade austin then rams the stairs into his head they brawl in the steps for a minute hunter then goes back under jr's table and finds a sledgehammer which king freaks out about saying jr Why did you plant that there? Why did you do that? What are you up to? And Jr. hilariously has to defend himself. And uh, so there you go. Jr. planting weaponry tonight. Hunter misses his sledgehammer shot. Hunter then blocks the stunner again, but delivers a sledgehammer shot to the head, of course, his hand covering the end, of course. Hits a pedigree, and Hunter wins the street fight. So Austin has lost the match he was favored in. Hunter lost the match he was favored in. And now we are going... Into
2: a steel cage.
1: Yes. Now this should have been a hell in a cell, in my opinion, if they really wanted to make it special. But it was just a regular cage. Now it's a good thing they brought the cage because you know there was no guarantee they would need it. So I was glad it was a good thing they had it hanging up you up never there. Know. You never know. You should always bring it with you. Austin is still down, and I thought it would be great because the bell rings and Austin's still down. I thought it would be great if Hunter just. Hopped over the cage and won the match, and took off running. That's what I would have done. I would have SmackDown versus Raw this thing, and just I'm out of here, pal. Took off running, yeah, or just walk through the door. There's always that option. It's true. Play the mini game. Walk through the door. But I think as you hear J.R. say, it, there's no escape. Yeah, J.R. and King were confused about this. Hunter is in control by whipping Austin into the cage, throws some right hands. He gets his 2x4 with barbed wire and stuffs it in Austin's face and just grinds it for a while. This was their rest hold in the match, by the way. And then with a desperation chair shot to Hunter is how Austin escapes the barbed wire. So then he shoves it in Hunter's face for a long time. Then Hunter hits a desperation DDT to Austin on a steel chair. He gets a near fall. Hunter fires up with some rights and gets another near fall. Hunter tries to escape over the top, and JR says, you can't win by escape, to which King says, you can't? And then they never go back to it. No. Because... Austin catches up to him, gets crotched on the ropes, but Austin recovers and slams Hunter off the turnbuckle. Hunter then pedigrees Austin, but only gets two, which leaves Hunter in total disbelief. Hunter goes for another, but Austin catapults him into the cage, hits a stunner. Austin can't capitalize, and both men are down. And by the time he does cover, Hunter kicks out at two. Hunter grabs his trusty hammer. Austin grabs the two-by-four. Who will win the duel here? They smash each other at the same time, and amazingly, Hunter just happens to somehow fall directly on top of Austin, despite being unconscious, and wins the match. And both men sell this as if they are unconscious. And the only thing that breaks up this amazing sell by the both of them is the most precise beer thrower in the history of audiences as someone takes a full can of either beer or soda... I mean, it was full, it was unopened, and launches it and directly smashes Stone Cold in the head as he was supposed to be selling his unconsciousness, and it looked like it really fucking hurt. Like, he was writhing in pain from this. Like, that's a concussion. Like, that's nuts. I just can't believe the accuracy of this guy. Like, whoever threw it. Like the people tell you at the start of the shows. like, before Nitro... Uh, the announcer would get on there. Uh, David Pinzer would say, don't throw anything because what happens is it hits the person three rows in front of you. Not this fucking guy. This guy is like the Nolan Ryan. He's precision, like <laughs> smashed Austin in the head with it. What did you think of this match, Patrick? Oh, it's a great match. Like I said, it was it was a lot of punchy, kicky. For me, it's one of Austin's better matches. Yes. I don't think it's it's his. It's definitely not his greatest match no, that no. he had. It's probably in his top ten. It's probably not in Hunter's top ten because Hunter had a much longer career. Hunter finally got the big win over Austin, which there's always been this thing where Austin didn't want to put Hunter over. Hunter mentions it in one of his DVDs. But then in Austin's DVD or in his podcast, has mentioned that he never had a problem putting Hunter over, but whatever. I choose to believe that he didn't want to ever give Hunter the win. And tonight he had to, but even then, after he gets smashed in the face with the beer, after they're done selling, he gets up, stuns him, gets all his heat back, gets his theme plays, and he still goes in main events, WrestleMania. Exactly. So... Yeah, he did the job, but it's nothing. I mean, Hunter didn't gain. No one lost anything. Nobody gained or lost anything. Yeah, there was no consequence of this
2: match. You went in there to beat the shit out of each other and leave and. Going
1: totally different programs. Yeah,
2: immediately direct back towards what you're doing for, for WrestleMania.
1: Well, and then after WrestleMania, you're best friends. Yeah, so really strange. Yeah, very weird. But. A, a, a very good match. It just had no stakes involved, like all that stuff with Stephanie and Jr. I mean, Stephanie had her match earlier, so you know she was she was done for the night. But like, no no storyline implications to this. Like, well, it's, it would have been
2: cool if like Stephanie came out or tried to interfere or something like that, and Jr. just grabbed her leg and pulled her back out he of the He had ring. all
1: those weapons yeah, under
2: his desk. just grabbed her leg and pulled her back out of the ring and told her like, no, you know, just some way to incorporate it. It had been pretty cool. But yeah, great outstanding match. I enjoyed
1: it. But it was like an exhibition match. A really great exhibition match. True. The way Hunter set up his program going into WrestleMania was that he would get on Raw and say, well, I beat Austin, so I should be in the main event. So Undertaker simply said, well, you've never beaten me. That was how they started their program. So that. That's what, what came of this.
2: And you were about to see The Undertaker in one of the most butt-ass ugly ring attire he has ever wore in his entire fucking life.
1: Yeah, he was going through some uh, some really bad stylistic choices here in uh, 2001. Ace. He hadn't he hadn't fully committed to Big Red, you know, Booger Red here, as a yeah. uh, dead man walking the big dog in the yard hadn't cut his hair. He hadn't... Totally given up the the old Undertaker outfit, but was somewhere in between as he decided to wear a full bodysuit for the first it's, time. It's it's
2: a muscle it's a spandex muscle shirt with the Undertaker logo
1: on the chest and spandex tights. Yeah, he's never worn like a spandex top before or after, really. Right, like, yeah. That's
2: just not him. That's like, not him. Yeah. And But these these spandex tights, which you normally wore tights, but on the side of the tights, I forgot what it said, but it said something like, it had like biker taker type, you know. So I looked at it as below the waist, he's biker, above the waist, he's dead man. (laughs) It was really fucking disturbing and very ugly. He's
1: trying to figure out who he is. Yeah,
2: he was this. I'm glad he only wore this shit one time because this was terrible
1: yeah well that's still to come first we have the right to be naked on the line here coming up the king has to leave the table he's gonna go fight for the cat who had not been acknowledged as his wife you would just have to know so it's kind of weird the right to censor want nudity outlawed no one can be naked stacy carter wants to show her naked body
2: yeah that's all she wants that's it, and I'm I'm all for letting it. I mean, let her do it. Well, and Jerry Lawler is all for that. We as we well. will all win. Well, I mean, Jerry
1: Lawler gets home and go home and see it, but still, hilariously, Jim Ross has to deliver tonight. We're fighting for the right to nudity. She's dying to be naked.
0: <laughs> this is what they're fighting over: the right to nudity with a cat. She's dying to be naked here tonight, and no way out.
1: Says Jim Ross, legendary broadcaster, <laughs> voice of our generation. Then we get Shop Zone ad, and then we get Mick Foley with a contest where you could co host Fanatic, which was a pay per view series of highlights that I guess you could sit there and watch with Mick Foley. Taz, already in 2001, a year into his company debut, he had already given up on the wrestling thing and was ready to move to the commentary table. So Taz... Is out to join Jr. He would go. Time. He would go. But again, next year he would go and become a tag
2: team champion. Oh, and I mean, at X Seven, he was he had a match. Yeah, but then fully after two thousand two, he was None. all table.
1: Yeah, so he's already decided. You know, this just isn't for me. And so he's going to be our color commentator the rest of the night. King would not return after his match, which no. usually he did return after his matches. So. It's kind of weird. Stevie Richards is fighting for right to censor. He has Ivory, the women's champion, in his corner. Bull Buchanan. B-squared, Val Venus, the good father. That's right. This is the next group to go in the Hall of Fame, folks. They should. The right to censor. They should. Ivory would be in there twice, then, if, if that was to happen. The winner of this Good father would be in there twice. That's
2: right. The winner of this match, either the cat joins right to censor, or she gets naked and we all win. So everything's on the line in this match. <laughs> <Yeah. I> mean, <laughs> the stakes couldn't is, be higher. They can't screw
1: The hell with the world title. This match yeah. has
2: got the highest stakes of them all.
1: Yeah, the the Austin and Hunter match had nothing attached to it. No, that's this, why this is over that match. That's, that's right. <laughs> That's why Austin was slated to go on before the real main event. (laughs) Jerry Lawler versus Stevie Richards. And Jerry Lawler in Cheetah Print. You talked about The Undertaker's poor choice of wardrobes. Ooh, Jerry Lawler. Cheetah Print is not your thing, King. Sorry. It it looked like Tarzan. I swear to God. It It looked like if Tarzan just gave up. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry the King Lawler, for his age and for the wars that he's been in through the years is in fine shape for an older fellow it still is still is to this day yeah but this is not his look the most bizarre
2: thing and i can't help but think about it every time i see him in the ring is the fact that he has never worn knee pads his entire wrestling career how many fist that's interesting how many fist drops has he dropped off the second
1: Second rope. And the man has never worn knee pads his entire career. Yeah, and probably has no trouble getting around. No. Well, and also, just we talked earlier about Road Dog, and I mentioned, you know, work smart, not hard. Jerry Lawler, for the most part, is a right hand and a pile driver. And that's pretty much you might get a scoop slam if you're lucky. <laughs> You'll get a drop kick if he's feeling oh, it. Oh man, he it, must be in a really it, good he, mood. If that he day. hits a fat man drop kick, you're feeling it. But work smart, not hard. That's why this man is still in the <laughs> ring in Memphis to this day, is because he works smart, not not hard. So the, King the greatest thing I ever saw. King Get
2: hit, and I think even Scott Hall's talked about it. He, you know, it's Razor Ramon versus King or whatever. And King takes, King has a toothpick hidden. So Razor takes the toothpick out, throws it at him. Well, King, you know, and has this toothpick, and he slides it in between his eyelids right there. So it looked like it poked him in the eye. And he just stumbles around for two and a half minutes like he's blinded by this toothpick. Like that's great and they haven't even done anything and the crowd's loving it. You know? (laughs) I like that's
1: awesome. It's funny that no one had done that before then. Yeah. I mean, this guy had been flinging toothpicks for years at that point. But that just goes to show you how great
2: King is. Uh, I put him up there like a Dusty Rhodes where
1: can do so much with so little. The XFL cheerleaders were here earlier tonight. At first, I thought these were the Nitro Girls. And I was like, did they sign all the Nitro Girls before WCW shut down? No, this was the XFL Las Vegas cheerleaders. RTC, though, putting into their dancing. No one will dance here, which I, I thought RTC had a problem with nudity, not dancing, but they don't like dancing either. They're like the people in Footloose. King does his right hands, of course, to Stevie Richards, hits a scoop slam, and drops that closed fist. So we're already through most of his uh, move set here. We've
2: hit the five moves of doom already.
1: King just keeps throwing Richards out of the ring, which this was the best shape Stevie Richards was ever in, the best haircut he ever had. Like he was, and this is best character I think he was perfect for this character. He like. really was.
2: Stevie Richards does not give enough. He doesn't get enough credit for his career. I believe in what he did with Raven, and the standout that he did in WCW. Had an awesome career running this this great faction that would then go on to do a whole story with Victoria. And, I mean, still to this day is is in the ring and uh, doing DDP yoga. I He's had a great, great career. And
1: I think, honest to goodness, the right to censor should go into the Hall of Fame. King hits ivory on the outside of the ring but gets thrown into the post by Richards. Richard misses a hoe train. I guess Goodfather taught him the hoe train. He did. Lawler hits corner punches and a bulldog to Stevie Richards. Whoa, he he was feeling generous tonight. We want Puffy's chance as Richard suplexes Lawler. Then Richards grabs a chair, but Lawler low blows him to stop it. This is all behind ref Teddy Long's back. Lawler nails two DDTs, but Ivory distracts Teddy. Teddy then stops Cat from interfering. Stevie misses a belt shot with Ivory's women's title. And then King slams her. While Teddy's distracted with Ivory, Richard misses another belt shot. I've... Rarely seen someone miss so many belt shots here. So then Cat grabs the belt, but inadvertently hits Lawler with it. And uh uh-oh, everyone's a loser tonight in Las Vegas as there's no nudity. Boo. The crowd boo this. Your newest member of Right to Censor, the Cat. Yes. The Cat is then basically... Thrown in a bag and carried away by the RTC, as she is now their property. A angle that would never play out, as she would turn she, in her notice. She was she was their property. Well, she for... got fired. She was she had some attitude problems, issues with China in the back, and Lawler quit along with her. But then they got divorced, and he came right back. So and at a very good time, and the invasion came to an end. And the very next night, Jerry Lawler is back in his chair. Timing was everything in 2001. So. That's true.
2: It worked with Heyman being there. Yeah. Yeah, it was perfect it timing. It really was perfect timing. I never even thought about that, but yeah, timing was perfect on that. Up next, a triple threat tag
1: team table match. Holy shit. There you go. With Bod, the Brothers of Destruction, Edge and Christian, and the Dudley Boys. Okay. I thought Undertaker
2: looked like shit. Kane and his all solid black looks like shit too. Oh, his
1: fishnets. Yeah. yeah his, uh, with his big red nipple. No red whatsoever. All black. It was very bad. Undertaker took out all the tag teams on his own on Raw with choke slams. Edge and Christian, though, set him up another week. Told him that his... Uh, the Dudleys were attacking and be- and smashing his motorcycle. They sent a PA to tell Taker, oh, someone's messing with your motorbike. and That was not sitting well with Taker, so he goes out there and then... The Dudleys were lured to the back, and so E&C split the scene, and the Dudleys and Bod brawl over the bike. I don't know why Kane was upset. He had no motorcycle. and I mean, he had nothing to do with this. No, he rides in with the flames from hell, so... (laughs) Yeah. Michael Cole is with the Brothers of Destruction. Taker says four people will find out what it's like to be in the big dog's yard, and the big dogs will run the yard
0: you think this is about the gold the match is about the gold we are about pain and suffering you see there's going to be six individuals in our yard tonight four of those individuals are going to find out what that means exactly edge christian dudley's you know they shouldn't concern themselves with tag team titles they should be more concerned with how they're going to survive. Because tonight, and I want you to listen to this real good, Michael Cole. Tonight, the big dogs, they run the yard. We're gonna do more than put those boys through tables. We're gonna put them through hell.
2: I just want to hear him bark once. He's talking about big dog. That's what hear. Well, Roman
1: Reigns kind of barks when he, uh, you know, he fi- he charges up his fist right. and slams it down. He kind of howls like a dog. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Undertaker never exhibited a lot of dog like behavior.
2: Well, he's the big dog, though, and that's his yard, and I want just go. I didn't know
1: Kane was a dog as well. I didn't <laughs> know he was considered a big dog. I didn't either. And they don't do, yeah, they need to do Rick Steiner. Yeah, stuff. We need an ultimate dog match between all the people who claim to be the big dogs or dogs in general. Anybody who ever had a dog gimmick. Well, here's what we do: is you have
2: this interview, and then out of nowhere, as soon as he's like, "We're going to be the big dogs of the yard," Rick Steiner just pops up and just starts barking, and drops drops right back down.
1: Yeah, just does like a Ron Simmons damn thing. Yeah, like, just like. That would have been great. China's book, which came out and reached number 2 on the New York Times bestseller list, gets a plug. Bod is out first, then Edge and Christian come out, and they stop on the ramp. They don't want to mess with Undertaker. They don't want to go in the yard. So they stay on the ramp. However, these these missiles shoot down, and
2: these guys called the Dudleys bring a table out, and Edge and
1: Christian are just completely stuck. They're stuck in the middle. Oh, you only think that, Patrick, because they outsmart both these guys again, all four of these guys, and just go off the sides of the ramp. So then Brothers of Destruction and Dudleys are now brawling with one another. Taker throws Devon off the ramp, and then Kane throws Bubba off the ramp, so now It's time for E and C to get their comeuppance, right? Kane snake-eyes Christian on the guardrail after some walk and brawl. Then they get ready to powerbomb Edge and Christian through the table, win the match, be done with it, get out of here early. But the Dudleys sneak attack them with chairs from behind. Edge and Christian then put Bubba in the Tree of Woe, and both of them smash his balls with their feet, which (laughs) looked very painful. And also... (laughs) Just very unrealistic, because it's like the Tree of Woe is already kind of difficult to believe. Just move your feet. But then to be in the Tree of Woe and allow these guys to just smash your balls <laughs> was uh, quite the sell from Bubba. They miss a concerto to Bubba, and Devon hits the was-up to Edge. Devon, get the tables, says Bubba. But Bod have suddenly woken up. They get up and they stop him from getting the tables and they take out Bubba as well. Then they hit power slams to Edge and Christian. Then they hit their top turnbuckle clotheslines, which were not in stereo. Undertaker hits his to Edge and Kane hits his to Christian, but they weren't at the same time, so it didn't look that great. Undertaker and Kane get the tables. They slide them into the ring and the Dudleys wake up. Then Edge and Christian wake up and join the Dudleys to take out Bod. So the... Teams are teaming up to take out the big dogs here. Dudleys want a 3D on Christian through the table, but Taker stops him. Devon then stops him with a low blow. Then Edge and Christian want to suplex Taker through the table, and Kane, he just moves the table out of the way. Just flips it over. Then Bod chokeslam both E and C. Then they chokeslam the Dudleys. They set up two tables, but out of nowhere, even though they're giant men Rikishi and Haku run in and stop them. And then Bod, forgetting about the match, decides to brawl with Rikishi and Haku and totally leave the match. Walk up the ramp. They're done for. Edge tries a spear on Bubba, but instead bounces off a table in the corner. It didn't break, but even if it did, he propelled himself so it wouldn't have counted. So that takes Edge out. And then Christian is left all alone in the ring and is the unlucky recipient of a 3D through the table. So there you go. The Dudleys, in a rare showing the Dudleys actually beat Edge and Christian they on a did. pay-per-view so and Bob looked stupid as they were at the top of the ramp just staring as they let all this happen and as far as Haku and Rikishi go went nowhere I think this was a tv match they did on Smackdown the, that week and that was it that was the end of it Haku never made it to Wrestlemania X seven. Did he? He didn't make it on the card.
2: He's still with the company. Was he? Okay. Yeah,
1: he had debuted at the Rumble. He was their big surprise. He debuted
2: he debuted at the Rumble, but I couldn't remember how long he lasted.
1: Yeah, they didn't have He didn't stick around much. Well, and this was I mean, getting to be towards the end of Rikishi really. I mean he was at Rumble two thousand two, but it was coming to an end for for the big Quiche as well. This was the basically the reimagined Wild Samoans here again, like yeah. Relaunch. They, this gimmick just will never go away. No. Still going on today with the Usos, basically. There's always some version of this. or A e- Samoan tag team will always be in Even wrestling. in New Japan, there's one. The, the Bullet Club guys. Yeah. So we get another X7 promo. Get your tickets now. I think it's a little too late in 2019. And then The Rock and Kurt Angle's promo plays. This is another strange case of The Rock losing the Royal Rumble, but yet getting a title shot anyway. Yeah. Amazing how that works out. Why didn't Hunter? Oh, because he lost the match, right? He lost to Big Show to get his title opportunity or whatever. But right. amazing
2: how this works. The Rock just, here you go. The Rock won the title, right?
1: He wins. He won the title opportunity, though. Maybe it was going to be a three-way or something. Something. I don't, I don't know. A promo package shows where The Rock tells Angle, your days as champion are coming to an end. Tick-tock. Tick-tock. Yeah, he beat Big Show for this shot on an episode of SmackDown. I'm glad we didn't get that match.
3: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the World Wrestling Federation champion, Kurt Angle. I know I can
0: beat anybody here in the World Wrestling Federation. I proved that for the last five months. That was a huge win for Kurt Angle. Look at this carnage, Jr. And look Kurt at Angle. He's still the WWF yeah. champion. Your days of being champion, days of being happy are coming to an end. you understand The Rock? Do you understand me? It burns The Rock down to his boomerrill, not having the WWF title around his waist. Kurt Angle, there is nothing bigger in this industry than the main event at WrestleMania. And for the past two years, The Rock has headlined WrestleMania. And nothing's going to change. The Rock will do all he can this is the shot The Rock's been looking for. A title shot against Kurt
3: Angle and
0: no way out. Look at The Rock King. On the chair. Rock find him on a chair. Oh my God. about on a chair. Rock got him. Rock got it. Rock's going to no the way out. The Rock will be Kurt Angle and no way out with a WWF title on the line. The countdown is on. Tick tock. Yes. Rock, you've been jealous of me ever since I stepped foot in the World Wrestling Federation. Because finally, there is a man with just as much charisma, just as much personality. I will prove that I am the best. I'm better than Rock, than anyone in the World Wrestling Federation. Your days of being champion, days of being happy, are coming to an end. The reality is, my days of being on top are numbered. I see Kurt Angle, get ready, because The Rock is going to no way out. The Rock is beating you at no way out. The Rock is going on the WrestleMania. I'm keeping my WWF title. You can't stop, can't stop The Rock. Kurt Angle, you're looking at the next WWF champion. And that, my friend, is true. Rock
1: is with Cole. He does the exact same promo. Tick tock, tick tock. Time is up for Kurt Angle. The champion comes out first. Not a good sign for Kurt Angle. JR says, everyone expects Rock to win this match. Well, gee, thanks, JR. Let's leave some suspense here. <laughs> Taz and defends Angle's credentials, says, hey, man, he's the champion, and I've been in the ring with him, and he's, he's good. Rock opens up with big right hands and a clothesline, a side rush and leg sweep for a near fall. Then Angle comes down to Rock's level. Angle not wrestling a very smart match for his technician style here as he decides to brawl with the rock catches rock with a drop toe hold into the ankle lock but rock makes it to the ropes and a cameraman busts his ass on the ring mats as he Balls. was trying it was nothing caused him to fall he just fell he yeah. just busted his ass sean michaels was nowhere around this cameraman as he fell to the ground so or he would have got stomped <laughs> yeah he would have gotten his camera busted for his trouble too Angle just keeps striking with the rock but then hits two belly-to-belly throws, which were beautiful. And then Rock tries one, but it's it's not even in the same league. Barely qualifies as a belly-to-belly. <laughs> Rock then lays in some big rights and then another clothesline. Then he puts on that fucking sharpshooter. Fucking somebody, I wish somebody would have stood up to him and said, Rock, you are amazing. You are number one, pal. You are great. Don't ever do this fucking move. Looks Stop like doing shit. this move. Looks like shit. Yeah, that's just not him. It's just I know it's a callback to when he won the title the first time at the Survivor series. They recreated the screw job or whatever. And so ever since then he kept doing this move, but no. Anything else. Like yeah. <laughs> this it just is the loosest. Sharp and it drove Bret Hart crazy because he would mention in interviews over and over again, I just wish people knew how to put on the sharpshooter. I teach them. I'll teach them. Just let me teach you. No, Rock never learned. And I think even in those matches with Cena, he might have broken these out. Even in like WrestleMania 28 and 29, breaking this fucker out. Samoan dropped to Angle for a near fall, then a belly-to-back suplex from Angle. He goes upstairs looking for his moonsault, but Rock stops him and superplexes him. Angle then throws Rock out of the ring, and he sells his leg, but Rock suckers him in. He was fake selling his leg, and DDTs him. Then, well, it's a big show. What the fuck was this? Why was this in this match? This has nothing to do with anything. He, We already saw this guy. The hardcore champion. Yeah, the hardcore champion. I guess he... If one of them had managed to pin Big Show here, they could have picked up two titles in the same match. There you go. Nope, didn't happen. He just comes in, chokeslams Mike Chioda, chokeslams Kurt Angle, and chokeslams Rock. And then he leaves, and he gets his theme song played as he leaves, too. Yep. Made no fucking sense. Went nowhere. Earl and Jimmy Corderas then come in to scoop Mike Kyoto up. And they help him out, and they're walking him towards the back. And as they're walking him towards the back, Earl, out of the corner of his eye, spots Angle covering the rock and just drops Mike Kyoto like a bag of potatoes. (laughs) And is like, I love this spot, though, because... It's more important to make the count It is The rules are the rules That's right He's gotta do that job first Exactly Fuck Mike Kyoto. So he just drops him Goes in to count But of course it's only a two count And then immediately goes and scoops Kyoto back up And helps him back to the back some more (laughs) Rock then grabs the belt Belt shots Angle while Earl was helping Kyoto again But Angle kicks out at two Angle lock and screams I'll break your fucking ankle Which they had to bleep on the network version here, and Rock gets to the ropes. We get a strike exchange again. Rock hits a spine buster, a people's elbow, and gets a two count. Angle then low blows Rock behind Earl's back while Rock had shoved Earl away, so Rock basically got caused this interference himself. Angle then undoes the buckle, which Earl did nothing to stop, which... Patrick, you got to be as a referee. You got to stop that. You know, you got to be over there tying it back up. Yeah, exactly. Earl, of course, we we know he's a dirty ref though, so he just lets it go. He undoes the buckle. Rock gets thrown into the exposed buckle. Angle slam, but Rock kicks out it too because he is Superman. Rock then fires up one more time, but Angle stops him with a kick to the ankle. Rock throws him into the exposed turnbuckle, sternum first. Rock bottom. Oh no, Patrick. 1 Horror 2 story here. 3 <laughs> No. Only 2. <laughs> no. Only 2. <laughs> no, Earl fucked this up. And Rock was not too pleased with this result as Earl pulled the 3. He should have just let it go. Like you you say you always I don't pull anything. If you don't kick out, that's your fucking problem, not mine. Right. So Earl must have not been clued into the finish of this match. He was the replacement referee, after all. So Earl didn't know that this was supposed to be the finish, and Rock is fucking pissed off, and gives Earl the stank eye as he just rock-bottoms angle again, and before he covers him, just stank eyes him again, like, (laughs) what are you going to count now, motherfucker? (laughs) And then... He gets the three this time. Earl doesn't pull this count. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen Earl pull pull One, this count to. Oh my! Oh my arm. yeah. He probably got rock bottom. Yeah. So (laughs) ding, ding, ding. Rock is the winner. He's going to WrestleMania to challenge Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Rock's still pissed off after the match. Earl goes to raise his hand. He's like, no, you're not raising my fucking (laughs) hand. So and then sadly, sad Earl then has to like help angle to the back. (laughs) And uh, angle cries as he goes up the ramp, which was a great heel move. And we're out. WrestleMania X7 is set. That's right. What did you think of the world title match? It was good till the... Uh, the big show stuff was yeah, yeah. totally out of place. And like I said, I I would have done five more minutes of it. I would have liked to have seen Rock in, in more peril with those ankle locks and stuff. Because he's a great seller when he's in submission moves. He's just a great seller in general. Yeah. And... I don't think Angle, like, Angle worked to the rock strengths with strikes and stuff. I would have liked to have seen Angle try more technical stuff, more suplexes and mat-based stuff. I like. I usually complain about rest holds, and you don't have to worry about rest holds in this match or in no. the Austin match. No. But I would have liked to seen a little bit of that just so you see the variety of Angle's offense. But he understood, he knew his role, Patrick. He was a transitional champion. He was here to get beat. And they had already teased you're getting Austin Rock at the Rumble when they had a showdown in the ring during the Rumble, so yeah. We all sort of knew it was going in that direction, but Angles way too good to be just a placeholder champion. Even though he got the belt, I think he got the belt a little too early on in his career, but he got it like what? 8 months into his his career. Yeah, very very, very early. Yeah, but he did back it up in the ring. His character wasn't quite developed, but even here, I don't think it was fully developed.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I don't think he was truly himself until the. You're going to hate this, but Deputy. The the the, the WWE C W when he, oh the wrestling machine when he turned into the wrestling machine.
1: Well, that's what I like the best. That's my favorite version of Kurt Angle. And at that point in time, then, you
2: you actually saw Angle, in my opinion, at his best, because it was suplexes, it was technical wrestling, he took you down, and he fucking wiped the mat with you. And that's why... I, well, he had the cool mouth guard. But that's right when he, but the, he transitioned that into TNA, and had some of the best oh, yeah, matches. That, that Genesis match we watched yeah. with him and Joe is Had some is awesome. of the best matches, matches of his entire career. I'm better f- better than his WWF stuff.
1: Well, he had some really good matches with Benoit and even his match with Brock at that at that pay-per-view up until uh, the shooting star press that Brock attempted. Oh, yeah, was, WrestleMania 19. He still had, and oh, his match with HBK. He had a lot of good matches yeah. in the WWE. But yeah, his his character, his the wrestling machine should have been his character from the the start like no nonsense. I think it was weird to bring him in as a comedy. It did help his range though to start him out as a comedy heel yeah. because that's like a range like Brock Lesnar ne- never developed that because he was always monster wrestling machine man. Yeah, so what do you think of No Way Out 2001 overall? Very high, a very good uh, B pay per view. It, it won't yeah. be remembered as fondly as a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam or even a Royal Rumble, but that's just because it's a B pay-per-view. It's, it doesn't think, have name value. I think very highly of it. This roster, every wrestler that made the card tonight, I mean, even the comedy matches or whatever, I thought this was a very talented roster, and they yeah. displayed it. And even then, some people didn't make the card that were on this roster. It had a lot of depth, and it yeah. had a lot of... Not every show needs to include everybody. Not every show needs to be five hours long. You know, if if we only have this much time to feature everybody, some people should be left off. And I thought between the, the talent in the Intercontinental match and the two main events, man, there was a lot of star power yeah. on display here tonight not to mention the table match oh yeah i mean you had undertaker working a tag match i mean that's yeah it's hilarious to think that the big dog would even want the tag team titles isn't is is funny to me but yeah i thought it was cool to see him interacting with talent that the other main eventers wouldn't interact with because you'd never see austin you know in a match with the dudleys or no, a match yeah. versus edge and christian so i did think that was kind of generous on takers part to come down to basically i mean even though those guys were were huge stars they're still tag team wrestlers right and i mean you didn't see you didn't see the hardy boys on this card tonight so it was a really good show overall i mean even the even the plunder match and even the the jerry the king lawler match they were short enough to where i can forgive what do i care i mean there are only a couple minutes. it was a great on. match i enjoyed the king <laughs> match really well, I mean, we didn't get to see the cat naked, so, for, I mean, negative 10 stars. Very enjoyable show to watch, and it just shows how much better they they should take a page from this pay-per-view playbook, and like um, Elimination Chamber in 2019... It was done at ten thirty at night, Patrick. <laughs> I was that put it way up on my list of just amazement. Like that it was literally It was on time. It on was, time. It was fine. Yeah. That's fine. You don't have to run everything till midnight. Like get to the point. Just get to it. So I think they should do more of this and less of marathons. But on our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where do you rate no way out, 2001. We'll give it a uh, a very ugly tights, Undertaker. It's very high praise. I'll give it a very ugly tights, Kane. We'll have the big dogs. We're, we're the big dogs. The big dogs, yes. Run, is, running the yard. This is our yard, damn it. You just... Technically, the big dog's owner runs the yard. The big dog is really Vince... The owner <laughs> of the big dog, Vince McMahon. He owns the
2: yard, Listen, this is my yard. I'm just allowing you to come in here and crap on it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's what, yeah, that's what dogs do. I've never understood, I never liked the Big Dog name. I never liked it. And I still don't like it, even though the Big Dog will return on Raw and they will say, The Big Dog. So, yeah, I don't like that name. But I didn't like the name The Big Show either. I'm not a big fan of Big in your name. The Big Boss Man is fine. Uh but there was you know, big E, that's it. Big the letter E, that's it. I, it's just <laughs> lazy to me. All right. So, Patrick, where will we go next week? Well, in an honor to
2: the newly up and coming inductees D Generation X, we're gonna go back in time to nineteen ninety seven. It's in your house, D Generation X. We're going to see Shawn Michaels defend the WWF title against Ken Shamrock. We're also going to see a boot camp match where Triple H takes on Sgt. Slaughter. There will be plenty, plenty more matches. I guarantee you, you
1: will be on the edge of your seat, and this will be X-Rated. I'll be on the edge of my seat, maybe out of boredom and falling over asleep because this was, of course, December of '97, so a month after the screw job. When you have Sergeant Slaughter in '97 as one of your co-main eventers, yeah, things are a little rocky around the edges. Butterbean. Oh yes, I picked this strictly for you as well. The the semifinals of the brawl for all. You will have. No, it's, it's not. It's not related to the brawl for all. It's just a tough man match. I thought it was a brawl for all match. No, it's it's just a tough man match. I don't think it has the brawl for all branding in it. But
2: oh well. Butterbean versus
1: your favorite wrestler, Marvelous Johnny B. Bad.
2: Yeah. Marvelous Mark Mar.
1: I God, I cannot wait for Butterbean to kick his ass. And then gang warfare, Los Barriquas and disciples of Apocalypse. So there you go. Taka takes on Brian Christopher, as that was that was like the only light heavyweight. That was the longest-running feud in 1997, actually, is the two light heavyweights on the roster. So that's where we'll go next week. Degeneration X in your house from December of 97. I'm intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee
2: in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline.
1: And bingo, bingo.